you can be seated this morning. As we turn our attention to the communion table before us today, we've celebrated that the chains are broken. I think I heard a few of you get a little excited about that, maybe? That he is the chain breaker. Where did those chains come from? What is the source of the chains that bind us? Is it God who shackled us there? Does the devil want us shackled and bound? In Psalm 107, we get a little glimpse into the breaking of chains, the redeeming of a people that God has longed to redeem. If you have your Bible, open to Psalm 107 as we celebrate communion through the Psalms here this morning. I believe that many of the chains that bind us are of our own making. The devil loves to see us chained up, and he will offer us chains, but he doesn't have the power to bind us up. We open the door for him to do that. We allow those chains to, to, to bind our feet, to bind our hands, to bind our lives. In Psalm 107, starting in verse 10, it says this, Some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons. For they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. So he bowed their hearts down with hard labor. They fell down with none to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and burst their bonds, broke the chains apart. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he shatters the doors of bronze and cuts into the bars of iron. Who is the chain breaker? Jesus Christ, by ordination of God his Father, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, breaks the bonds that keep us trapped. This table, the night that Christ had dinner with his disciples and broke the bread and gave the cup and then went to the cross, it is because of that that it's possible for the chains to be broken. You see, God cannot set free a captive who doesn't ask for forgiveness for the crimes he's committed. God, a, a good judge doesn't look at a criminal and say, because I'm a nice guy, I'm going to let you off. The judge who lets criminals walk free for no good reason is not a good judge, is he? So there is a judgment that is to be brought down upon us unless we have the judgment taken care of by Christ 
who went to the cross. To think that chains are just broken just because. Because I deserved it. Because I did something. Because No, this verse says, in verse 11, they rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. It is our sinful acts. It is our, it is our lostness before Christ comes in and finds us that has us shackled. Those chains can be broken at the cross. Those chains are broken. It says here in verse 12, they bowed their hearts, or he bowed their hearts down with hard labor. They fell down with none to help. Verse 13, then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. When you realize the distress that you're in apart from God, and amen, many of us have been there and walked out of that, right? Into the glorious day. You were there. You, there was a day, maybe you can remember that day, where you realized the distress that you were in. And you realized, I need to cry out to God for help. And the means by which I can cry out to Him is through the cross of Christ, because Christ took my place. And I can have these chains broken. Throughout this psalm, let's go back to the front end of the psalm. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. From what have we been gathered in? From where have we been redeemed? From that lost state of being shackled. And this psalm gives several illustrations of from where we've been redeemed or from what we've been redeemed by giving these word pictures of a life apart from Christ and what it looks like to then come into a relationship with Christ. In verse 4, some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to a city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way till they reached a city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Each one of our stories of lostness before Christ is unique and different. And you might compare it to this one who was wandering in desert wasteland, finding nowhere to dwell, finding no peace and comfort and safety. There was, there was nowhere for you to just rest and be fed so that you wouldn't be hungry. There was nowhere to get a drink so that you wouldn't have to be thirsty. Your soul fainted within you because you were just lost and wandering without God. But when we cry out to God, it says, He delivers from our distress. So for this person, for this soul that is lacking that place to rest, this soul finds a place to rest. This soul finds a place to dwell in a relationship with God. This soul finds satisfaction from food and drink, perhaps that they knew nothing of as they enter into a relationship with Christ. This soul, realizing that it was lacking, has, is given a new fullness. And life in Christ becomes a beautiful reality. Then we have the section that starts in verse 10 about chains being shackled and bowed down to hard labor. They cried to the Lord. He bursts their bonds. He breaks the chains. He shatters the doors. He cuts the bars in two. And he says, captive, be free. For that soul that is, that is stuck, 
This is not the wandering soul with no place to rest. This is the soul that just seems beat down and oppressed and locked in, and and there's nothing good, and I'm stuck. God says, I'll break those chains if you'll cry out to me. I'll break them and set you free. In verse 17, some were fools through their sinful ways, and because of their iniquities, suffered affliction. They loathed any kind of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. And let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds in songs of joy. For this soul, suffering and afflicted, drawing close to death's door, finding that their sinful ways lead them not to joy, but leads them to a place of distress, a place of of finding zero satisfaction. This one is afflicted by their own sinful desires. This soul finds forgiveness and healing, bringing them joy they've never known before. Verse 23, Some went down to the sea in ships, doing business on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, His wondrous works in the deep. For He commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven. They went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wit's end. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still and made the waves of the sea be hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and he brought them to their desired haven. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. Let them extol him in the congregation of people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. Maybe this is where you found yourself. Maybe you weren't wandering in a desert wasteland. Maybe you weren't shackled and imprisoned. Maybe you weren't in terrible distress from all your own sinful desires. Maybe you were the one on the high seas going about, doing business, enjoying life, but then the waves began to crash. And everything had been going good, but now you're realizing the disaster of a life lived without Christ. And the waves begin to crash, and you're longing for a place to find safe harbor And that safe harbor was found in Christ. For this soul that is blown and tossed and cast about by the waves, rest and a safe haven is found in a relationship with Christ. No longer needing to chase after the things of the world and try to satisfy ourselves with all the joys that life can bring. But finding ultimately that peace and calm and assurance is found in a relationship with Christ. Verse 33, he turns rivers into a desert, springs of water into thirsty ground, a fruitful land to a salty waste because of the evil of its inhabitants. Let me read that again. He turns rivers into desert. Don't we usually think of it the other way around? That God turns deserts into living springs, that he turns thirsty ground into springs of water, that he turns wasted land into a fruitful land. This verse says the opposite. It says he turns rivers into a desert. Springs of water into thirsty ground, a fruitful land into a salty waste. Why? Because of the evil of its inhabitants. Would God be justified in doing those things, making good things bad based on our behavior? Absolutely. When he sees evil, he has every right to judge it. 
And God does that. He has done that in the past. He has brought oppression upon his people from foreign countries throughout the Old Testament. And I think that God might still do the same kind of things today to get our attention. I don't think he does. I know he does. That he will maybe cause something in our life to dry up a little bit to get our attention. To remind us. And to bring us to a place of repentance. But God doesn't leave it that way. In verse 35, he turns the desert back into a pool of water, a parched land into springs of water. And there he lets the hungry dwell, and they establish a city to live in. They sow fields and plant vineyards and get a fruitful yield. By his blessing, they multiply greatly, and he does not let their livestock diminish. When they are diminished and brought low through oppression, evil, and sorrow, he pours contempt on princes and makes them wander in trackless wastes. But he raises up the needy out of affliction and makes their families like flocks. Have you ever seen that type of thing happen? In Scripture, we see it a lot. In your life, you may have seen it. It may be a business that is blessed because of your obedience. It may be a trial that comes in part because of disobedience. In verse 42, it says, The upright see it and are glad, and all wickedness shuts its mouth. Whoever is wise, let him attend to those things. Let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. Consider this psalm. Consider the reality that the chains that God breaks are there in large part by our own making. Perhaps fabricated and and manufactured by the devil himself, but offered to us, and we shackle ourselves. Consider the one who is seeking satisfaction in the ways of the world and finding that it doesn't satisfy. Consider the lack of joy that is found from all the wonderful things that this world does have to offer. Consider the storm that rages. And as you think about those things, realize that it is this table and the love of Christ showed to us on the cross that makes it possible for those chains to be broken and torn away. It is the cross that allows the one in seek of satisfaction to find it in a relationship with Christ. It is the one looking for joy and something that means something of eternal purpose. They can find it in the cross. Those waves can be calmed by the voice of the one who says, be still, because that's my child, and don't mess with my child. It's all made possible by the cross. This morning, I'll ask those who are serving the elements to come forward. And as, uh, as they're distributed and as we have a moment to sit here and contemplate, to consider what is in the Psalms, I just ask you to think about chains that are broken. Think about seas that are calmed. Think about the reality of what Christ has done for you and the fact that it's all possible because of this. It is God's love for us and his power on our behalf that calms storms, that breaks chains, and allows us to with confidence say, it's going to be okay. It is well with my soul because of what God has done for me.
Let go. 
not for the cross could that be our song could you face this world apart from what Christ has done for you could you face the storms could you endure the shackles could you face every trial and every hardship that comes your way because they do come could you face those and say it's well with my soul it's okay could you say that if we didn't have the cross? What a miserable place this world would be to live in if we didn't have the hope of the gospel that changes us, that transforms us, and promises us a reward that far outweighs the temporary affliction we have here on this earth. It's the cross. It's Christ's broken body that you hold a representative of in your hand. It's Christ's shed blood which you hold a representative of in your hand. It is, it is the, the very reality that these symbols represent that makes it possible for us to say it as well. It is, these, it is what these symbols represent that makes broken chains a reality. That makes mountains fall into the sea in front of us. And there wouldn't be any mountains moving or chains breaking or storms calmed if not for God's love for us showed to us through the cross. So with that right in the front of your thinking that you are lost and hopeless without the shed blood of Christ, if, that you are lost and hopeless without his broken body, with that in the front of our mind, let us eat this bread together with thanksgiving. the same way. Let's drink the juice together, remembering Christ shed blood for us. God, we thank you this morning. Because were it not for your love for us, if it were not for you staying in touch with your creation, you could have left at the garden never to come back. And what this world would have progressed to be over the last 6,000 years, God only knows what it would look like. Would we even be here? I don't know. But the hell on earth that would have been real for Adam and Eve to experience had you simply just left them. What their children and grandchildren and for however many generations it may have persisted while you took off out of here 
what that would have been like and what it would be like today if you still didn't love us. And into that reality, we, re, we insert the word but. But God, in his great love for us, continued pursuing, continued pouring out his love for us so that the wrath that you intended for the devil and his angels would not ever have to come close to the door of those who call on your name. And for that, God, we are so grateful today because the wrath that you never intended for mankind is standing at the door for those who are not calling on you. And God, may our hearts break because of that reality. May we take the good news that we have and share it with everyone that we know. For that wrath that you have stored up, we would not want to wish on our worst enemies if we truly got a glimpse of what it looked like. So God, break our hearts for the lost, that we might be able to share with them the message of the cross that redeems, that restores, that breaks chains, that moves mountains, that calms storms, that brings satisfaction like never known before. God, may we share that truth with those around us with urgency. God, we thank you for this time that we have to celebrate communion and focus our attention so specifically on your sacrifice for us that brings us redemption, that brings us newness of life. So God, we say thank you and help us to live that out with our lives as an act of worship in response to what you have done for us. In Jesus' name, amen.